pray together. Lord God, if we have sight, it's because you've given it. If we can believe, it's because you've enabled us by the power of your spirit. We can see Jesus for who he is, the savior of the world who died for sins and has been raised and is now the living savior at the right hand of God, soon to return. Father, now as we open your word, give us eyes that can see and what we know not teach us what we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. For your glory and our blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I love success stories. I, I, I read them. I study them. I, I, I love to uh, look at the lives of people who were uh, facing challenging circumstances and were dealing with difficult odds that were able to accomplish significant things with their lives. Uh, names that have come down in history to us. And sometimes we think, oh, well, it just happened because, you know, they, they always had it together. And it's not true. You think about uh, a guy named Henry Ford. Of course, many of you are driving his vehicles today. But did you know that he had five different failed businesses uh, before he came into the one that, that finally made a significant difference in the world? Uh, another guy I just, I just am amazed by is a guy named, by the name of Michael Jordan. Some of you maybe have heard of him. He's one of the greatest players to ever play in the NBA. Did you know when he was 15 years old, he was cut from the varsity team of his high school? Imagine how silly that coach feels today. Now that this man he cut is now in the, in the NBA Hall of Fame, but, but he persevered. He made it through that difficult circumstance and he, he went on to figure out what it was he was supposed to do and to be. Uh, Walt Disney. Uh, some of you know him as this great entrepreneur. Did you know that he was fired from his first job? He was in, in, by his editor, newspaper, who said he lacked imagination. <laughs> and yet now we see what he was able to do. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. Uh, if you don't know his story, you need to know it. Here's a man uh, who was an atheist, who failed at businesses, who um, lost almost every election he ever came to. Uh, but by the grace of God was saved and then used by God to end the godless work of slavery and then unified this nation, was able to do that significant work after so much failure. And then a guy like Ben Carson that I've just come to love and just see him such a hero, a kid raised in the ghettos of Detroit, was made fun of in middle school, was told that he wasn't smart and he actually began to believe that he wasn't. His mother believed in him. He pressed through. He became a neurosurgeon at John Hopkins University. And now as a secretary, you know, in the housing urban development. I mean, what a great story. And all these stories are great. And I love success stories. But can I tell you, none of them compared to the success story of Jesus Christ. There has been no victory like the victory of our Lord. This one who is a nobody from Nazareth who the world thing, thought nothing of, and yet he was and is the savior of the world. This one who faced unbelievable obstacles was able to accomplish his divine destiny determined before the foundation of the world. He has brought great success, and we get to join in it. He entered into this battlefield, this arena, and he defeated the devil. Look what it says in God's word in, 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 in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. 
The kingdom of darkness is now on its heels because light has come. Christ has come. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and has now come to redeem us. More than that, he has set us free. We now no longer have to fear death. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. It was through the death of Christ that death was killed. He brought about this great success through his sacrifice. And that sacrifice not only paid for our sin, not only set us free from the kingdom of darkness, but actually now allows us to live in obedience to God. Colossians 2.15 speaks of this success of our Savior. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now, not only are we forgiven, we are now by the power of the living Holy Spirit who's given us a new life, are able to obey the living God. We were once in bondage to sin and now through through grace, we are free to obey the living God because of our love, because of the love he's given to us. And so now we can, we can actually experience, we can actually live the life God designed for us to live. And that only happens through the gospel. We understand that God made all things to be in harmony, but we know that sin entered the world through our race's disobedience, and that's created brokenness. And so when you think about the three circles and you think about what's happening in our world, why is there death? Why is there pain? Why is there so much suffering? Well, it's because of sin, our sin. But God did not abandon us. No, God entered into this brokenness. God came, lived a holy life, died for us. And now we will turn away from self-sufficiency, trying to save ourselves and instead seek this one who's come and believe in him. Look what we can do. We can recover and pursue God's design. And that's what true success is. Success is life with Christ. It's being free to be able to pursue what God made us to be. And that only happens by the power of the gospel. And so what we see is we see Christ come dead, raised, now bringing ultimate success. Why? For the glory of God. But we get to enjoy the success. We get to be a part of that success. And what we see the people celebrating in the streets on that Palm Sunday, we understand better. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to John chapter 12. It's in this text that we see the, the coming of Christ. And this means something significant to me. And, and I don't in any way want to, to um, I, don't, I don't want to, um, I don't want to cause anybody a problem by saying this, but I've had people say to me they disagree with this statement, uh, but I believe this to be true, and this is how I see it. And if you don't, that's okay. Um, but understand, I believe when Christ entered into Jerusalem, he was entering into the arena for battle. He was coming as a conquering king to destroy the devil. And so what we see happening here is the savior of the world walking in and there was no going back. He was coming to destroy death through his death. And on that day, there was a great celebration. We need to understand why. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And I'm gonna read our text today. Time is short. So let me, let me dig into this with you. Go to verse 12. I'm gonna read through verse 19. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. 
And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of God. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Now understand why these folks had come out and were screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna. They thought that their circumstances were about to be changed. They came out because they believed that Messiah, the conquering king, was going to come and do away with the rule of Rome. Rome had come and they had sacked Jerusalem. Now the Israelites were paying heavy taxes. They were under the, the yoke of that, that, that horrible leadership that was just crushing their spirits. And so they saw in the coming of the Savior, this, this king of, of Israel, that he was going to overwhelm them and they were going to get in charge. Now they were going to be the conquering nation. Now they were going to put their foot on the throats of those Romans. And so make no mistake, what they were screaming about was that they believed that there was going to be a change of their circumstances. They had no idea that it was much bigger than that. The success of our Savior was bigger than that. There was going to be a death and a resurrection. Make no mistake, they were also there, and the crowd had primarily come, as the text says, because of the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Now, go with me. Go back one chapter. Go back with me quickly to John chapter 11. And later on, please take time and, and, and study the story in 30, verses 38 through 44. Uh, let me give it to you in brief. Lazarus had been dead, and he was, he was dead for several days. And, and Christ came, and his, Lazarus' sisters were mad at him. And they said, look, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. But God had a plan. And, and, and Jesus wept, and then they went to the tomb. And, and I want you to see what Jesus did. He told the people, remove the rocks. And the people said, oh, Lord, the, the, the stench is great. We, we don't want to do that. You know, this is what God's calling us to do. See, many of us have friends and family, and they are, they're stuck. They're, they're caught in a cave in a place of death. And, and they need some, some obstacles removed so that they can hear the word of Christ. And there are some who say, whoa, whoa. Pastor, I don't know if I can bring this guy to church or not. He, he's sort of dirty. I thank God someone brought this sinner to church. And what happened is what happened with Lazarus is, is that Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. I love what a lot of the commentators say. They say, you know what? It's a good thing he said Lazarus because if he had said, come out, there'd been all kinds of dead people coming out of those graves that day. But he said specifically, Lazarus, can you remember the day when Jesus called your name for you to believe in him? I can, I can remember the day. June 28, 1988, I was 15 years old. Yes, I'm old. I can remember the night I'd been in a police car. I'd been handcuffed. I was sobering up. About three o'clock in the morning, I got on my knees and I said, Lord God, please take over. Forgive me. I will do whatever you want me to do. And now I'm your pastor. There you go. And that's a miracle of God, right? That's what happens. He takes ridiculous dead criminals and makes them pastors. And, and so there you go. 
But you think about the miracle of my life. And, and listen, I know many of your stories sitting out there. You're sitting among miracles, friends. There's miracles all around this room right now. People that were once dead, eternally dead, who've been brought to life. And Lazarus was brought to life. And I love what the people do. God says, get those death clothes off of him. He was wrapped in, in those, those death clothes. And, and they had to take those off. And he was now being raised to walk in newness of life. And so he said, you got to be covered. You got you a new way of life. You got to forget what you were. And you got to start being what you have been raised to be. And so Lazarus understood. He got what God was about to do. He, he had personally experienced what it was Christ was coming to do. He was the advertisement of what was about to happen. And so the people are gathering because Lazarus has been raised from the dead. And so they're saying, Hosanna, here comes our king. Now we're going to be in control. But you got to understand that the success that the Savior was bringing was, was so much more significant than just momentary comfort. It was greater than that. See, here's the good news of God. In this world, John 16, you will have tribulation. But God has overcome the world. And the same God who raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is alive in us who believe. And that saving is the success by which we together enjoy it the best. You can't understand how important it is to know God and be a part of a family until that moment when you need him the most. When your child gets sick and you need prayer. When you lose your job and you need help. When, when you're starting to lose your faith. When you're starting to lose your temper. We had a guy in the eight o'clock service after when he came up. He said, I'm so glad you said that. He said, I came into church today. I'm just gonna tell you, I'm mad. I said, what are you mad about? And so he told me the story and I said, I'd be mad too. He goes, don't tell me that, pastor. He said, you just cheered me up. I believe that Jesus has a plan for this. I said, you're right, let's pray about it. And he was actually able to, you know, there is in the church, there is in our midst this capacity for us to enjoy the success of our Savior. And we do that better together. Because sometimes we forget. We gotta, we gotta remember. We gotta keep in mind what it is that, that, that is to be successful and what success comes about by. I want you to take note real quick. Success is life together with Christ. That's bottom line what it is. If you have life with Christ, you have success. That means you can get through anything and that one day you will laugh at death because you will be victorious in it. Success with Christ is a gift that we receive by faith and it is best experienced together. Success is life together with Christ. But understand, it's not because of spectacular events. It's not because of just these high tides of life. Look in verse 17 and 18. Again, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. Most of the people were there because they were looking for magic tricks. They were looking for temporary comfort. Some of you are here today and you're hoping for a magic trick. You're hoping that someone's gonna say something that maybe will stir, and I hope that happens. And hear me, I love when that happens. When Ren was sharing that story, we read that story, and, we, and then he sang about that blind man. I mean, it just, it just brought tears. I was like, yes, those moments are glorious. But God calls us so, to so much more than a temporary lift. He calls us to a way of life where success is met moment by moment in every trial and every glorious opportunity. 
See, success is not getting by. Success is thriving in the presence of Christ, no matter what we're going through. And see, that only happens when you've got a cultivated faith. That only happens when, you're, when your relationship with God is real. And that's only maintained as you have those who are around you who love the Lord as well, who are experiencing the same success that the Savior has brought with you. Understand, success is life together with Christ, not because of spectacular events or because of institutional religion. It's not because of the rules. Look at these guys in verse 19. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are getting nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. See, what these guys want him? They wanted everybody to keep the rules because they were the rule makers. What they wanted to see was a human system where they could exert power. And that's not why Christ came. Christ did not come to create an institution for human power. Christ came to create a family that he was the head of. And so that everyone who is saved, we become, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. When I baptized Roger, and yes, I dropped him, but we got him up. I was able to call him my brother in Christ. As I prayed for him before his baptism, I, I, I said, Lord God, we are now brothers for eternity. We will be with you forever. God came not to create an institution, but a family. A family where we are adopted we are part of his life forever. And that life is one we share together. It's not about these moments. It's about moment after moment after moment in the presence of the glory, of, of, the, of the privilege, of the success of Christ. It's not because we do the right things, we show up at the right place from time to time, but because we're walking in a living relationship with the living Lord who has succeeded over death and sin and brought life. So understand what it is. It's because of these things. Pull out your outline. I want you to read these words with me. See that long list? And by the way, that list could be a whole lot longer. But, but why is it we can enjoy this success together? Read these words out with me. But because of the real, life-changing, transforming, awe-inspiring, peacemaking, delightful, loving, joyful, powerful, passionate, good news of God. It's because of the gospel. Now, here's what I know. Some of you here don't know yet what that means. I want to tell you, it's okay. It's okay. I can remember, I can remember sitting in church for many months not knowing what this meant. Keep coming, keep praying, keep asking for God to give you sight. Some of you, you've seen this before you've forgotten the power of it. Your circumstances, your mindset, because of whatever is going on that you're not pleased about, is keeping you from delighting and, and rejoicing and, and being passionate and peacemaking and all the things that the gospel does because the thorns and the briars are keeping you from producing the fruit of the seed of the gospel. Remember the disciples. They didn't get it at first either. Look in verse 16. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. Do you understand the gospel? And I don't mean, can you spout out, yes, Jesus died, was raised. A four-year-old can do that. A 44-year-old can do that, and it means nothing. What I'm asking is this. 
Can you and do you see your life circumstance right now through the lens of the gospel? Can you see that the risen Savior is with you and what you're going through is not a surprise to him, but a part of his plan for you? See, if you can't, you're mad. If you can't, you're afraid, you're frustrated, you're overwhelmed. The gospel has come to liberate you. The success of our Savior has come so that we might live in him, live with Christ. And when you're living with Christ, you may not like what you're going through, but you know you don't go through it alone ever. And here's what grieves my heart because some of you are where I was previous to June 28, 1988. You're going through life and all of its pain and some of its opportunities without the good shepherd. This risen Savior is not your Lord. And without him, you have no life. And I want to encourage you today to do what I did and what many around you have done. is give your life to Christ. Believe in him and be saved. Now, some of you have done that. But here's what I know. Some of you are so overwhelmed with stuff that you can barely pray. You can barely study scripture. You can barely really and truly live for his name. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him even if the evidence tells you not to. Trust him because he's got a plan. And I want to ask you to pray for some folks today that you know need him. Listen, next week, we've got a big week, guys. And some of us are gonna need to start moving some rocks right now. And by that, I mean start praying for people who need to be here Thursday night at seven o'clock or Saturday night at 6.30 or eight or 9.30 or 11 in in this room or at 9.30 over in the chapel or 10.34 over at Redeemer, our new campus, because they need the opportunity to hear the word of Christ that says, come out and live. Would you pray for that life? Would you experience that life? Would you look to the Lord that he might bless you? Let's stand together as we pray. Lord God, we're gonna close now with just a a moment to to sing and and to say to you that that you're our hope, you're our life. And I know that that some need to make that personal. So some need to come and stand or or kneel and, and say to you, Lord, please take my life, forgive me of my sin and save me and guide me. They need to cry out, Hosanna, help me. I praise you. Some, Lord God, are your children already, but for whatever reason, they need need renewal. Some prayed for that when they received the Lord's Supper a moment ago, but even now they know they need to speak to concrete steps that they're gonna take to live for your great name. And then many of us are aware of hurting families, broken lives those who need prayer who need rocks removed that they might hear your voice so God hear those who come now to pray on behalf of others and bless them hear us now as we pray you and as we pray to you in Jesus name amen